Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... Who am I speaking to? What are their needs? What problem am I solving for them? And how can I be of service? And I think that's the questions that are going to help you to pull out your authentic voice. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our sixth panel for the series, Authentic Marketing for Stronger Impact. This is a webinar series brought to you by Mama Got Skills and Impact Boom to facilitate candid conversations with purpose-led women. We would like to start by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land that we're gathering on today. In Brisbane, that's the Turrbal and Yagara people. We recognize that these have always been places of learning, teaching and sharing, and we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. My name is Carly Dole and I am the founder of Mama Got Skills, an impact-led initiative that works to provide creative outlets to address postnatal anxiety and depression. I'm here to lead conversations with women who work in and with impact-led businesses because I wanna learn more about the way in which women work and balance their knowledge and understanding within a system that once didn't even include them in the conversation. I'm keen to know if the changes that have been made are good enough, particularly how women approach business in this age. So let's begin. It's with great pleasure that I introduce you to our three incredible panelists today. So we'll start with Yaz. Yasmin Grieger-Leunis is the CEO and founder of World's Biggest Garage Sale with the mission to connect communities for social and environmental impact through the circular economy, ensuring they create maximum impact to make a difference. Welcome, Yaz. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Um, Kayleen Langford. Kayleen is the founder of Startup Creative. She's an effective business coach, podcast host, inspirational speaker, engaging facilitator and informative educator and soon to be author. Kayleen, it is a pleasure to have you today. And Alice. Alice Pritchard-Davies, co-founder of Huddle App. Alice is a tech entrepreneur on a mission to build stronger communities where everyone has access to the support and resources they need to thrive. Alice, welcome to the panel. Thanks, Carly. Lovely to be here. Brilliant. So welcome, everyone. It's so great to speak with you all. We might start by hearing a little bit about your journey from where you began and where you are now. So, Yaz, would you like to start off? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much, Carly. Well, I mean, I started off um, as a pizza delivery driver in year 12, uh, thinking I was going to go to uni, and then I ended up just, you know, working my way to where we are today starting off holding a garage sale back in 2013, thinking we were solving donor fatigue uh, and realising that we had stumbled upon this enormous um, opportunity to have social impact around the circular economy. Uh, So we've never actually had a world's biggest garage sale in a garage. uh, And today we are in Australia's first and only fully operational circular economy precinct right here in Brisbane, where we take products that would otherwise lay dormant and idle from community and corporates 
and we rescue the products and in the process we put them back into a resale retail market uh, by providing 50% of our jobs for young vulnerable members of our community. So we went from six people when COVID hit to a headcount of 25 today. That's amazing, Yes, What a great story. Kay, can we hear a little bit about you, where you began, where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I'd like to acknowledge traditional owners on the land that I'm meeting today and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. And I run Startup Creative. So I started actually in social work. So I was a youth worker for kids at risk. I went on to advise Queensland government around best practice for youth services, got pretty burnt out in the system with um, red tape and things not moving quickly. Um, on the verge of burnout, I was started um, doing some personal development and, and trying to figure out, you know, why I was so miserable <laughs> and dove into the world of business and entrepreneurship, startups, and realised I was like, this is me, like, and this is the next generation of we want to move quickly, we want to, uh, we've got lots of ideas, we're tech savvy, and I was like, this is, uh, no one ever told me I was an entrepreneur, I could be an entrepreneur. So I just threw myself into learning everything about business. Um, I started a magazine, a, um, I used to run an online, a, a facilitated course of turning your passion into a business, um, but my Business has evolved over the last five years into a podcast. Um, I do one-on-one -on -one business coaching events, workshops, online resources. But, yeah, my biggest passion is helping people to turn find their passion and turn it into a viable business. So, yeah, just freeing myself from that nine-to-five rat race that really got me stuck and realising there's more to life than hustling to this five-day work week that I hated and, you know, living for two days on the weekends and, you just needed to get out. I was like, this isn't living. So um, as I learned about business, I, I quickly realized it was really hard to find engaging, beautifully designed business advice that could be easily implemented, especially in the creative space. Mm -hmm. And I was meeting lots of creatives who were super talented, but couldn't, didn't know how to make the connection between this is my talent and I can make money off it. Um, so I started bridging that gap and, yeah, I've just um, been asked, I've just actually submitted the first draft of, of the final draft of my book to a publisher um, and that will be out, it's called How to Start a Side Hustle in 2021, June. Yeah. Wow, okay, so many things. And, um, yeah, that resonates so much, especially around the creatives. I just, I feel like we're always a bit lost, like got this idea but how do we? So that's really great. Thank you for sharing. Alice, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure thing. Yeah, mine's a little bit similar to Kayleen in that I was I got really frustrated with the corporate world. So my background is 15 years in uh, marketing and advertising for some of the world's biggest brands like um, Mars and Virgin, um, which is an incredible experience, but I found myself really frustrated at the slowness of it all, um, as well as the politics in, in big organisations. I'm not I'm just not good at internal politics. So I um, I left my corporate job five years ago. One of my best friends and I started having a conversation. We were noticing that all our friends were starting to have their first babies and um, we, were, we were just noticing the rhetoric around around that time while obviously a very joyful time there are a lot of frustrations in terms in terms of um, parents not being able to look after themselves as well anymore and that obviously having an impact um, on their families and we also notice there's a longer term impact when when parents don't have the support that they need 
you know, so parents are giving up social lives and careers and particularly women, um, of course, giving up careers when they have their first children. So we, while we didn't have kids, we wanted to kind of fix that before um, before we embarked on that ourselves. So, um, yeah, so that's how we started Huddle, which is a mobile app that connects parents with our trusted, flexible childcare. So you can book a, a nanny or a babysitter that's recommended by your neighbours and friends on demand or in advance, and you can find full-time, part-time care through Huddle. So, and one of our um, purposes is, is really around that gender parity piece as well. Um, where, interestingly, our um, number of dads using the, um, the app rather than mums has doubled since COVID. <laughs> so um, I think there's a bit of a insight there that, you know, more dads are at home and realising, you know, how, how hard that juggle is. And so they're, they're stepping up to the plate, which is awesome. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of my story. So we're now a community of um, over 20,000. It's been a long, hard journey, which I'm sure we'll get into. But, yeah, really to be here and chat more about it that is so good I love that you have that um that data to show that dads are like fully understanding the load and I also love that you started that before you had children that's clever because uh, I'm yeah. riding that struggle with the two-year-olds you know <laughs> and actually the name huddle um comes from it's a collective noun for penguins and penguins are known to share the childcare quite equally between the, the mum and the dad penguins. So that's a bit of background to our to our brand as well. Oh, that is so good. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I might ask you a question now and come back, Alice. So, yes, if marketing is about telling our story, what are some exercises that we can do to plot out that story authentically so that we can lead with our impact? I hear this all the time. Like how do we lead with impact and how do we make, tell that story, you know? Oh, look, I think it's got to start with the truth and a non-manipulative way of just representing who you are. I just came back from a, a 40th celebration, 40th birthday for the, a company I worked for for 13 years and, you know, I had tears and, you know, lots of memories for the time I spent there. Um, and one thing that I recognised and realised that throughout the entire career that I had there and then transferred to where, he, where I am now and what we do is that it takes so much less energy to just be who you are and not fake it till you make it but just be that scrappy different authentic version of who you are imperfection and all and I just feel that like for us we say it's not perfect and it's okay a little bit less show real and a little bit more real real for us and that means that sometimes people are going to know the good the bad and the ugly about you and uh, that's actually part of the beauty of the story and the the outcomes for us, you know, our customer retention is not about how much money we've invested into a marketing campaign. It's actually into, you know, are we telling our story? And then if our story resonates, then the right people will work with us. And if our story doesn't resonate, then the wrong people will not come into our orbit and waste our time or theirs. So I feel like for a long time, maybe in my early 20s, I did put the man suit on a little and, you know, I was a killer woman in a male-dominated industry and had all the successes. But I had to always, you know, maybe minimise some of the authenticity of the tears and the feely stuff, the love, but not because anyone told me to, just because I had this perception that I had to. But as soon as, you know, I just went, you know what, this is, I want to live like my truth. And it's not that I wasn't, it's just that there was a little, the icing on the cake was maybe a bit diminished because I was 
a bit worried maybe about what people might think if I marketed a different way or told a story in a different way. But when you de-shackle yourself from that and you just go, you know, this is who I am, this is how we operate, then you attract your tribe and it's really actually your tribe that that build both you and your business capabilities. And, and I, for one, might be, you know, the recognised um, figurehead of a brand but... <laughs> Let me tell you, I do this much for our business in comparison to all the people that are in our in our orbit and in our circles. So for me, it's about just be who you are. Uh, a lot of a lot more real, real, a lot less show real, and demonstrate that through action. Uh, and don't dress it up. Just just be who you are always. And then you know, it's, it's utopia. And, and for me, when we led with love and we let go of, and for me as a person, when I let go of um, these misconceived notions of, you know, trying to fit into a system that didn't fit me, I just felt so free and mm. so real. And if anyone ever talks to me, it's like, blah, what's and all? Everything is honest, truth, transparent and authentic with impact and love at the core and I wouldn't want to live any other way. Sounds like you're in a good place, Yaz. I think that's being authentic. That's all you can be, right? Tell your story, warts and all. It can be scary though, I think, to be that honest. So, Alice, we might we might throw it to you now because you've worked in marketing for 15 years. So how have you then taken the things that you've learned into your impact-led enterprise now and what are some of the tools that you've employed to build your audience so far? Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest things that I took into my own business from my background was the importance of, of brands. I think a lot of tech startups in particular, um, they might be you know, actually tech people or developers that don't have that marketing background. And so we saw that our, our marketing skills as an opportunity to kind of stand out and, and really do things differently and connect authentically with our um, customers and audience because uh, we didn't see our competitors were doing that effectively. So definitely, yeah, my understanding of, of brand and um, and connecting with customers is, is the biggest thing that we, from the very beginning, focused on getting that right. And, yeah, I think, as Yaz was saying, um, in the world of social media now, people expect to be to have an insight into the people behind the business and and particularly when you don't have a lot of resources behind you when you're starting out, those authentic connections and word of mouth is so powerful and, and it's a really big opportunity. So from the beginning, we tried to do things really differently and really authentically and put ourselves out there, which, as you say, is scary, but it, it really paid off for us because, you know, there was a, there was a human face behind our, our brand as compared with our competitors who looked just a bit more like a kind of faceless tech company. And we enjoy it as well. It's fun. You know, we love talking to our customers and engaging. And um, so that really worked for us in terms of getting constant feedback loop from our customers about what they wanted. And they really felt invested in part of our product development. And I think also what we knew from the start is that we didn't have, like, I've worked on these huge brands with huge marketing budgets and we definitely didn't have that so we needed to have a different strategy um, so we had our brand down pat but we we really focused on on PR and getting that that kind of third party um, I guess credibility because we knew that we didn't have the marketing budget to to tell people about what we were doing ourselves um, and then we amplified the PR through through our owned channels and also through paid channels um, and that's basically been how we've 
grown from the start. So I would say to people with your own little businesses, don't be afraid to pitch for PR yourselves. And I know um, Impact Boom, you know, you teach people about this as well. People are so supportive of, of small businesses and young businesses and startups and and they're really interesting, you know, they're new ideas. So I would say, yeah, chat to chat to someone in, in the media world, a PR specialist. You don't need to pay someone, but you can get some hints and tips on how to kind of do that yourselves. Because yeah, social proof and um, I guess third third part credibility is pretty important for a new business, I think. So that's um that's kind of how how we went about it. So Although many of our advisors were saying don't focus on PR because it's not in your control, which is very true, <laughs> and it does take, you know, a lot of pictures and probably a lot of luck, but I think if it comes off, it can be really worth it, so it's, it's worth a shot. Awesome. Thanks, Alice. That's really good. Kaylee, we might go for you um, to talk to you for a now. So, yeah, talking about this social media, we can get we can get taken over, right? You've got this new business. You're like looking at the stats, the likes, the followers. You're seeing ebooks and courses and people saying this is how you gain followers. And then you get caught up in this loop that if I don't have enough, then is it valid? Is my business worth it and so I guess to me surely authentic marketing isn't about the tricks and the shortcuts it's about something that's real so I guess with your experience how do we start creating that strategy that works for us yeah I mean I think it's it can be a very dangerous downward spiral if you're tracking the likes and the the numbers I mean I think going off what Alice and Yaz have just said it's like that authentic voice and it's less about um you know I think on one level we can say this is our story and this is our authentic voice but um then I think you know and Alice would know this from going to the PR it's also going if this is our story What's the part of it that's going to really cut through and uh, and break through? Like, and it's going to be a shareable story, which is just human behavior, right? Mm. It's like if you're at a party and you meet someone and they tell you a boring story, you don't repeat it, you know. But if <laughs> if someone tells you a fabulous story, I guess this funny thing happened, right? And then word spreads. And so I think. Um, there's a few things just like to bust some myths in social media. We've built a following of nearly sixty eight thousand followers, but I would say forty probably 40 plus percent of that, like 40,000 of those came before the algorithms happened. Mm -hmm. And I've had days where, you know, I can jump to 69,000 and then jump back down 300, you know, and, and it does my head in and I have to remove myself. And um, the, you know, the reality is for those listening that the Instagram isn't what it used to be and those who do have really big followings we got in early you know and there's people who got even bigger than me um but they got in we got in when it was really genuine connection and like you could post really good content and it would be shared and liked and and seen (laughs) so that's just for some peace of mind for everyone it's not what it used to be and um, there's a few things that have helped me over the years. One being that when I, I remember, I think I was like, I want to get 20,000 followers. And somebody said to me, like, why are you hustling for all these people that don't know about you? And there's 20,000 people who are looking at you, wanting advice, wanting support, wanting, you know, they've already given you something, like they're already committed to you and you're worrying about these guys. And, you know, why don't you turn around and go, how can I be of service to the 20,000 people who have already said help, you know, like we're interested in what you have to say. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you can start to ask that question of who am I speaking to? What are their needs? What problem am I solving for them? And how can I be of service? 
And I think that's the questions that are going to help you to pull out your authentic voice and then do that from a place of like, and, you know, I have a meditation practice and the days when I've written content, I will do a meditation. I will sit down with my journal as soon as my meditation finishes and say, well, how can I be of service today? And I tune in to the people and, and the coaching clients and then the questions I get asked and the feedback I'm getting and then craft an Instagram post or a blog post or some sort of content from that. So when, I, when I'm in that flow and I do that and I'm not always there, like there's times where I'm like, oh, I just have to put something up. Um, it's that's when you get that real cut through. Mm. Um, so I think absolutely, you know, asking how you can be a service. And I think, you know, the other thing that people are looking for is what's the genuine engagement. And when I've had brands reach out to me and I've done work with Microsoft and, you know, all sorts of different big brands and they're actually looking for user engagement. So I would prefer my coaching clients, you guys and myself to have a thousand followers or less 200 followers and 50 people really highly engaged, you know, like that's a really good percentage. So think more about engagement rather than numbers because the numbers is just, it's a mess right now. It's there's bots left, right and centre, the follow, unfollow, the fake accounts. It's like, and, you know, there's, you want to actually, you know, I think Alice said it, I know, um, yeah, Alice is like looking for the face behind the brand. Um, it's, you know, I think we underestimate the ability to humanly connect through this platform. It was meant to be social. It wasn't meant to be an advertising billboard of curated niceness. So commenting back to people, replying to DMs, going and engaging with other people's accounts, don't just show up on social media just to get you your stuff, you know. Um, but I try, I've always run my social media and I always try to reply to every single comment that gets left on any of my posts and that's the kind of stuff where people know that they can get to you right and they know that you're really there and this isn't just me trying to um get you to give me something mm -hmm. I'm, I'm it's a exchange of i can provide value and and you're going to come along for the ride and <clears throat> when you actually provide value for somebody and you get an outcome they can get a, a problem solved or value added to their life which is the core reason businesses exist you're either adding value or you're solving a problem and when you do either of those things well with your service or your product then what we underestimate and this is why i always come back to good old-fashioned customer service is that you're you're um activating an emotion like when you get something for free and it's really great or you know and that's going to trigger serotonin in the body because they're going to remember that and so they're going to come back to the brand and if you do it well they're also going to go and tell people on your behalf, which is free PR, right? So um, showing up for your audience with authenticity, with consistency and with a genuine mission to serve them and to solve their problems, um, it feels really counterintuitive. And I know people are like, yeah, but I need to get likes or, you know, no one's taking me seriously. I promise you it feels like a, like a slow burn, but this – this stuff works, you know, this stuff will cut through and it might be slow, but, you know, customer experience is a really powerful way to grow your following. And, you know, people, if something have a bad experience, they'll go and tell 50 people. If they have a good experience, they'll tell 10 people. So um, 
making sure that when you have that customer who's saying, hey, I want something or I like you or I'm following you, don't take their attention for granted. You know, mm-hmm. value that they're giving you that attention because attention and time is the most sought after commodity right now. Um, and, you know, with a saturated marketplace, you, it's a privilege to be speaking to that audience. So have a real think about are you showing up to be of service or are you showing up to feed your own ego or to, get, you know, make it look like you're a big deal or whatever. Um, so I think if you can, I know it's hard and it's addictive. Like it, it does, I wrote about this in my book actually. Social media is designed, and this is the other thing that people forget, it's designed the same way to activate the same parts of your brain that a pokey machine would. That's why you swipe and you get the little light bulbs that pop up and you look for your lights. That's a pokey's machine exactly, and they've done studies to show that it lights up the same addictive things. So um, know also that social media is a business model. Instagram, Facebook, they're running a business. So they don't really give a shit about you. (laughs) They're there to make sure that people are engaging with content that's going to make them money. Yeah. Okay. Yes, clap. I want to clap. Like so, so incredibly spot on. It is the exchange. It's totally, and it's a love language, right? Connection. That's what we're looking for. That resonates so, so much. Thank you for all of that. And meditation. I mean, I've only just started. I'm only 14 days in, right? But it's, I don't know, it's the one thing. If people can like just make that, take that into their day. Yeah, totally. Everything's more authentic. Thank you. Alice, let's go off of what Kay was saying. So is good authentic marketing a balance between giving free information and selling our idea? And if this is so, which I guess we believe it is, how do we make that balance? Well, I'm actually going to say I don't I don't think there's a contradiction between authenticity and selling. I think actually if you've got something really valuable to give, people people want to hear about it. Like if you've got, you know, a, a product that people are connecting with and and using and loving, I don't think there's any 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 shame in getting the word out there and yelling from the rooftops about it. Yeah, we kind of haven't haven't seen our marketing strategy as a as a de- like that for us like a content strategy is more around drawing people in um you know understanding broadly what we do but i don't think direct sales messages are in any way inauthentic they actually work really really well for us because people are so busy Mm. and and as um as kay was saying you know you're overwhelmed by messages so you need to be kind of simple and straightforward and single-minded with your marketing communications if you want like that direct response so I think what's the most important thing is just to analyze the data and know what um, impact what you're doing is having not just doing things and kind of not knowing what's what's happening so you know that your content marketing strategy is drawing people into your website and getting brand awareness but it might not necessarily be you know directly converting immediately to for, for us app downloads and um, and paying members Whereas um, Instagram, uh, uh, Instagram analytics shows um, quite a direct link from um, from Instagram posts about you know joining our community to downloading and posting jobs. So um, yeah, I, I don't think there's a contradiction there. Um, the other thing I would say is um, with your uh, Instagram strategy, 
well, with everything, just look at the analytics. So Facebook gives, gives you so much insight. Google Analytics gives you so much insight. Um, and Instagram Analytics gives you so much insight. It's a really great idea to focus on the channel that um, one or two channels that perhaps your competitors aren't winning at. So for us, our competitors are just nowhere on, on Instagram. Um, and so we kind of have focused that as our, as our um, main channel with marketing. And that's worked really well for us. It, it, it's worked really well for our specific audience. Um, and it's meant that we can kind of stand out and, and start with like a small niche of our target audience and then learn about our products and, gr and grow up from there. Um, so I think if, if your direct marketing communications isn't working, it's probably more about your product and product market fit, I think probably, than your, than your marketing. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's any any shame in just being quite direct with sales messages um, at all. That's my opinion. I was going to just add to that. It would be interesting to hear Evelyn who's open to sharing it, but I think under looking at your analytics, something that I advise is like what we just mentioned, which is understanding the target market. And an example that I often use is like a mum's, um, a lady that I met who did kids' clothing and targeting her ads to, you know, when a mum is online and, um, you know, if you, I don't, I'm not a mum either, but I, all my siblings are and all my best friends are, so I know that I can't call them before 4pm and 8pm <laughs> between those hours. It's like not existent, but it would be interesting to hear whether Alice has got real-time data from that around, you know, whether and you, you guys use that strategy because you're so niched in, I think this is a one thing you take away is like go and get to know your target market and don't try and talk to them when they have no time or energy to talk to you and be really clear about exactly what Alice said. If, when you're on your, yes, do the good free content, but when you're here to ask them to take action and spend money with you, you have to time it right. You know, there's no point running an ad between 4 and 8 p.m. to a parent. Absolutely. School pickup, we would just, we literally would not get, any engagement or response from anything around school pickup time and um sunday nights you know when the family's finally relaxing at home at the end of a busy week and weekends is when we'll get like the most jobs posted for the following week they're thinking about planning ahead for the following week and that's when we'll get the highest email open rates etc so yeah um just knowing as you say knowing your customers looking at the data and looking at um at you know the response from each of your different messages and analyzing that to continue to refine it and improve it. Um, but then I think also just as um, Kay was also saying, talking with your community and caring about, you know, what they have to say, our customer service girls are so incredible um, and, and turning around a potentially negative experience to a paying customer for years is such an incredible, incredibly powerful thing. Um, and just, having those people there to care and listen and really understand, you know, what the customer wants is, is so important. So I think the marketing only, um, the marketing can be great, but unless the customer experience is great, um, it's not going to, it's not going to get you very far. So really focusing on product market fit and the customer experience first. Um, and then, you know, going hard with your marketing. I wouldn't be spending lots of money on marketing until you've really got that, um, got that part of it nailed. And then when you do that, it it sells itself. Like exactly. you don't, all you have to do is put it in their way and say, exactly. "Hey, we understand you. We know you've got this problem. Here's a solution." And you don't come across salesy because you're genuinely just going, 
hey, yeah. this is this is going to help. And they'll be like, oh, I've been so looking cool. for you. This is yeah. exactly what I've been needing. It's yeah. so true. We say it's not selling, it's storytelling. And people think because we're this well-recognised brand that we've spent mozza or a ton of money on marketing and we have spent about that much. Yes. We've so never done a Facebook ad. We've never done an uplift. We've never done an Instagram this or that. And only because, I mean, we're in the middle of launching a brand new website, which we will start to invest in those marketing things when we need to and want to. But all of our business so far has come from word of mouth or just authentic storytelling that cuts through organically online. I don't know how many likes we have. I don't care. I care about if a customer has commented, how are we responding within five minutes? Are we authentic? Are our messages the same? Are we all using the same words, culture, feel? If a customer complains, do we get excited about it because it's an opportunity to delight? Raving fans, customer service is what has made our business thrive and it's the one thing that will irk me if a customer's inquiry, message, ask, sits idle for like five minutes. Like right now, even if I got a message right now and the rest of my team were out on the floor I would sneakily respond to that customer because I'm not going to let them sit idle. No one is above it. I don't care what your position is in the company and I don't care if it's midnight. If you're online and you see that ping, you answer it right then and there because that is how you grow a business. People tell stories about you. They become your advocates and you don't actually need to spend a shit ton of money on marketing. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's absolutely nailed it because I think that's where... Um, understanding that problem, which we've said, but I had a, and a good way to learn this for yourself is to become the observer when you're a consumer. What do you like? What don't you like? What pieces you off? What do you expect? What wows you? How can you learn from just because we're consumers all day, every day. And I love doing this as an exercise. And just as a quick example, I had, um, I've had two, <laughs> been eating on the run lots lately, but I had, I went to a burger place the other day and it's, you know, a burger joint is fast food. You're not sitting down. It's like, it's counter service. You sit out on the grass and it took half an hour for them to make my burger. And they were coming to closing time. There was four staff members working, just like fluffing about, doing nothing. And, uh, oh, they were doing some like cleaning and putting tables and stuff away. There was one guy slogging it out in the kitchen. And I looked at that experience and I was like, what's the most important need? Like, why do our customers come here? To get a burger on the run and go, right? And like, I was hungry, so I was really pissed. And so when I looked at that situation, I wanted, and I saw the owner and I just wanted to shake him and be like, dude, even if you're not a cook or a chef and you don't know how to run that kitchen, get in there and toast the buns or something. Don't worry about tidying up out here because my biggest need and why I walked into your shop is to get food. You know, so I don't care. <laughs> like get in there and do whatever it takes or refund my burger. And I said to him, it's taken half an hour. And he's like, oh, sorry. And uh, so for me, I left like, hang on, like really understanding why am I coming to you? and focus on solving that to the absolute best ability. Mm. Yeah, we've had to take to um, Facebook Marketplace and Gumtree while we can't run events to sell stuff because that's what we do. We get product into our precinct and we can't invite 10,000 people in. And so we made a really, um, you know, it's not a pivot, but our entire team are responsible for ensuring that customers know what we have so that when they buy from us, we can make money and then hire more people. Um, And so I said to my team, 
like Gumtree inquiries come through and we're all logged into the one account and I, if I'm going to buy something, I love what you just said, if I'm going to purchase something, say I need to buy this new water bottle and I see it on Gumtree and I make an inquiry and I say, hey, is that still available? And then I don't hear from the person for hours. I'm already on to something else. I've already asked five other people if their water bottle is available and I've bought it from someone else. So that is the example that we um, use for our team. So even just the hustles even like the responsiveness and we call it proactive right be proactive not reactive you sit and wait for your customers to come you're going to be sitting and waiting a long time in life but if you actually are going out there and thinking who would want this water bottle which Facebook group would they be in and where would they be and how do I put it out there and then if I answer them really quickly they're going to say yes and then they're going to come in that's you know what's grown our business for the last six months is that attitude of, um, you know, hunger to survive and thrive because we made a commitment to not fire anybody or stand anybody down when COVID hit. And how do you do that when most of your revenue is generated from an event where 10,000 people walk through the door and you can't run it anymore? You all have to hustle hard and you all have to be proactive, not reactive. So I just get the team to think about well, how would they feel if they wanted that product really badly and no one replied because it was after five o'clock? Well, you know, right now, unfortunately, we have to be responsive when customers are responding to us. So um, it's not necessarily the, the business model moving forward for us, but the ethos of the experience and intimacy with the customer is what we are and that's the messaging that, that we like to send to empower our team. Yeah. You know, as women, we're tr- traditionally very good at undervaluing our worth. Um, I certainly have been in the past. Um, so you seem to have this inner confidence, you know, and I, I guess like have you always had it or is it something that you've found along the way? Because, um, yeah, I think that would be really helpful for our audience if you could share Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think I've always felt it inside but not always acted on it. Um, And, look, one of my favourite books is The Little Engine That Could and it's that little engine that she happens to be a female, if you didn't really know already, um, and she's this little engine and she, you know, wants to get up the the mountain and everyone tells her she can't do it. Um, But, um, and the big big burly engines say well I'm a big engine and I can't get over the mountain how are you going to get over the mountain and she's like well I think I can I think I can I think I can and it's such a daggy thing right but I'm really old-fashioned and I think it goes back to that if you say you can you will and if you say you can't you won't and can't means won't and all those really simple philosophies that don't require a degree don't require you know decades of commitment to you know, uh, educating yourself. It's just read the little engine that could and take on her philosophies. And if you think you can, you will. And if you think you can't, you won't. And I just feel that um, it takes what what did it for me, right, is I've always felt like really different, really weird, really out there. And sometimes I might dim my own light down in the past because it shines so bright in people's eyes. It freaks them out. Like I either... And it's not that I'm better. It's just that I either energize or exhaust people. That's just my personality and it's just who I am. And that's okay. And it's okay for people to not like who I am. And 
it's okay for, you know, people to dislike, like to, to go, oh, my God, that woman is bleh. And because we don't all need to be the same and if we embrace our, and embrace our differences and find our native genius, then I actually feel like it's those differences that actually connect us. And so for me, I probably de-shackled a lot from caring what people think. I had a, um, my mum got breast cancer at 44. I am 44 now. Um, and my mum passed away two years ago this month, actually. And when I realised that she had breast cancer and my nan had breast cancer and my nan's four sisters had breast cancer and I was like, I don't know, it was 15 or 16 years ago I found out. The first thing I said to my husband is, oh, my God, once we have kids, I'm totally taking my boobs off. There is no way I am going to be getting breast cancer. 87% chance, blah, 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 blah. And this was all before Angelina Jolie did her thing. And, but do you know what I'm really ashamed of? Is even though I said that, like, back when my mum was 44, I made that commitment and I still remember the, to the day that I was at Mount Cooper where mum told us all she had breast cancer and I said it then. Do you know I wasn't brave enough to actually go through with it until Angelina Jolie went and did it and then the whole world accepted it as a thing and so because someone famous and awesome went and chopped her boobs off to, to prevent getting breast cancer, she gave me permission to do the same thing. That's disgusting, right? Why did it take her? to trigger me to go do it. And I did it in 2014. I have no nipples. I'm really comfortable telling people I took a proactive approach. I have a 1% chance of getting breast cancer and it's freaking awesome, right? But it's not even about that story. It's about the act that it took someone else to jolt me for me to then accept the quirkiness and, um, and authenticity of who I am. I'm a proactive person. I'm going to prevent things I can prevent and control and to, to improve my life. And I guess what I'm saying to everybody out there is if, if there is something inside of you that you want to do and it sounds so freaking crazy that you think you're going to lose people in your orbit, then those people don't deserve to be in your orbit and please don't wait for someone famous to do it. Go and be that first mover and the shaker and the market maker and just go freaking do it. There's people out there like me that are going to cheer you on and support you. So if you feel crazy, just connect with another crazy and go and do it. Wow, yes. Thank you. So <laughs> so insightful. What a story. Um, Debbie says, every time I have a question, you ladies answer it really well in a conversation. You're all super inspiring, which is really lovely. Um, I, I might ask you, Alice, um, just kind of bringing it, bringing it back a little bit before, because, because you are a professional in the marketing space, I am, a, I, and a lot of the people that I know that are in small micro business, you know, and we're kind of happy there. We're not, marketing is not something we know at all, you know? Um, so at what point do you think that people like us need to look for external support? Like I know we've talked about telling your authentic story, but sometimes that's even hard. So I, I guess, yeah, I, I ask you, when do we go, oh, and, and who? You said PR, but like what does that mean for like small, small business? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Um, it's funny when you've been doing something for so long and it's, I guess, a, a, a natural, something that's come quite naturally to me. And then you realise that it just it isn't like that for a lot of people and there's other strengths that they have and um, and it's kind of, it, it's more foreign to them. I think definitely go out and get external support. I would suggest for to get your 
brand's tone of voice and your brand image right, I think that's important to um, to make sure that it reflects your, you know, your mission, your purpose, your values and your culture so that there's this consistent, you know, image that you're putting out there to the world. And I think it actually really helps when you define your brand values and, you know, and what, what your business is about and what you care about. It actually really helps you become more creative with your content and with your storytelling because it it defines what you want to talk about right with your with your audience so you know we really care as I said about um, gender parity and gender equity in, in the childcare space and the you know taking responsibility for the children because it's important for us that to empower women to you know follow their dreams and continue in their careers or start businesses etc so you know that's a brand value of ours and that's like this wealth of you know content that we can talk about so I think it's really, really important to do that early on. And you can, you know, talk to a friend who, who works in marketing, hit me up on LinkedIn, you know, whoever, if you don't have any money at all, like people in the startup world, which I, I can't, cannot believe how lucky I am, how, how much support I've had along the way. And I just want to give back, you know, our business is all about community and supporting each other with kids. But, you know, me and my co-founder as people, we just love community on the you know building a business side as well so people are so happy to help and, and provide advice and tips and so generous to their time so I would say just ask someone um that you think will be a, you know a good fit for you to have a chat with um just to kind of get that confidence up to start you know a brand book for example and just to get it down on paper it'll iterate it'll change it'll evolve but it's a start and if you do have a bit of budget by all means go you know go to a small boutique agency and and pay a little bit of money to get it done um, really well and then I think with in terms of actually ad spend I think that should be probably the last thing like once you've got product market fit once you've got this you know amazing two-way communication with your customers you're you're utilizing all your free channels your you know your own channels PR other partnerships um, with other businesses that can get the word out there then when you're ready to actually spend some money on marketing it's probably important to talk to an SEO expert um, and a, probably a Facebook or a digital marketing expert just to get you set up with the basics but it probably isn't something that you need on going long term unless you have you know significant revenues and budget but certainly those areas are quite there's quite a lot involved and they're changing constantly you know as the, as the other ladies are saying the algorithms are changing so um, you kind of need to be in it to make sure you're not kind of missing a trick there but I'd also say that it's really important to get in there on your Facebook ads and your analytics and understand it even if you are getting external help because you know you want to be able to take take that back ideally and, and run it yourselves in-house um, I would suggest yeah that's super practical yeah. advice Kay did you want to add to that yeah I was just going to say which is all really good advice but I think Alice said it in her first answer um, at the beginning of this conversation which was play to your strengths so if you're watching people kill it at Instagram lives and you couldn't think of anything worse then don't go and try and compete to that space. Maybe you're really good at photography or maybe you're really good at writing emails or blogs and things like that. So if you try to do everything and be what everyone else is doing, then you're going to get caught up in the doing and you'll lose track. It's better to do one thing, do it really well, track it, see how it works, and if that works, do more of it. And then when you feel like you've exhausted that, bring on a new marketing strategy. Some really good cheap ones for startups out there is free ones as collaborations which is exactly this you know the um what we've been talking about today is that when you do something from an authentic place then 
um, and you tell your story, you can actually find like-minded brands and leverage each other. So whether it's a giveaway or, you know, this kind of stuff, um, things like that. So finding ways to collaborate and use, like I, that was one of my biggest growth strategies. And I think, you know, the podcast and the magazine is that you telling other people's stories, that's a collaboration. And as a result, they're sharing it and getting in front of more of your target market. And then I would highly recommend building an email database. So from day one, even if you haven't started yet, start collecting emails um, because I think the downfall is that people go, okay, you like me on Instagram or Facebook. Oh, um, now I'm going to, the first thing I'm going to do is tell you to buy and give me your credit card details. So you've got to think of it like a dating app, you know, like a dating scenario. It's like, oh, look, we matched on this app over here great, now do you want to get married? You know, that's pretty much what you're doing if you go, you like me, why aren't you buying from me? So what the business and marketing world will teach you is a sales funnel um, where you create warm leads. So it's all technical jargon, but it really just means that you're creating a funnel where you're constantly throwing the net and telling people you exist. Eventually you'll get better and better at that and be able to do it really quickly. Like, you know, Yaz has talked about with going to Gumtree and that's a huge big net and that's exactly her target market. And then you want to move them down the funnel. So the first step you might do is free content on social media, then join the mailing list. Then here's a free download. Now here's $20 with me. And, you know, now maybe you want to spend $50 to $100 or, or this or that. So, But to assume that you are going from completely free anonymous content or engagement with your brand to credit card details like that is especially and I I studied this with my book it's consumers are actually getting less and less trusting of brands because there is so much clickbait and Mm. and people who aren't you know providing what they're saying they are so your job is to build a relationship and rapport and understand the needs of your target market and slowly move them down some people will just come in and go like I get clients like I've just listened to every podcast that you have sign me up for coaching how long can I work with you you know and then and they take that jump um and then others will be like I've been following for two years and I've done that online course and I came to that event now I'm ready for coaching you know so um it's a slow burn and it's relationship building and that will cut through um and you know everything we've talked about today is um with that if you get one paying customer serve them to the absolute best ability that they go and tell 10 people and um, and track and ask and engage and and take them on the journey with you. What do you need? What, what How else can I be of service? How was that experience? You know, what else can we do? I love that there, what you said, and I'm conscious of giving people takeaways. We always talk about relational value, not transactional. Like, yes, we want to hear the cha-ching on our page please buy from us that's awesome we do absolutely you can't just run a marathon in three seconds it takes hours um so it's it it is about um give 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 and then you might get but don't give with the expectation to get because that that's so um inauthentic um and I just feel that um, I'll give you a little example of what works for us. So um, we'll get an alert about who's followed us today maybe. We use HubSpot so we track all of our customer data. If I talk to a customer, I write down what they said or what I promised and I tag my team so they know everything. 
that I might have committed as a promise. Um, but even just someone reaching out to me on LinkedIn and they don't give me a note, my brain just goes, oh, I wonder what triggered them to connect. And so I will go and ask, hi, Alice, it's Yaz here. Thanks for connecting with me on LinkedIn. I see we share a number of mutual connections. Oh, we both know Carly at Mama Got Skills. What brought you by today? Is there anything I can help with? Was there something of particular that you had interest in? Like, ask the question, be human. Because then Alice might go, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, Yaz. I was meant to send a note. I did hear you speak on this podcast and blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden you start a relationship that's not transactional it's meaningful. I want to know why people connect with me because I would never just connect with someone without telling them why because I want to create meaningful experiences in life that go far beyond the transaction. Anyone can make money. Making money is easy. Anyone can make money. It's the boring part of business. Making a difference is the thing that in life is going to make us rich. So be different and ask the crazy questions. If someone follows you on Twitter, go ask them why and create a relationship with them. That's my takeaway. Don't just hook up with someone on LinkedIn and expect them to connect with you without you telling them why you came. Yes, that's so good. We do have one question and I know we've got three minutes. So, Kay, you kind of already started to answer it, but it was from Debbie and she said, if you accept your quirks and such and are happy to showcase your authenticity, do you have any tips on how to start picking what is most relevant to then market with? Yeah, I mean, it's a good one. I think understanding your target market, so asking them, you know, what it is, why it's the same, similar to Yaz, if somebody says, oh, looks like you're doing really well or, you know, you're killing it, I'll be like, oh, yeah, what's your perception? What have you seen and why did you, why do you think that, you know, or I love your podcast, great, which one are you listening to? Um, so asking that, you know, and if, if you can get those, you know, running surveys is a really good one. In terms of accepting your quirks, I do think in a lesson that I've learned is I've been through really bad times in business where I've been really like over it and wanting to shut the whole thing down and it's exhausting being on social media and all the time and you know I've got emotion like family stuff going on in the background you know whatever I try to make sure that I process that first and I move through it and then if it's relevant I'll share it from a grounded centered you know, therapy place that my therapist has helped me to work through. Um, so, you know, you, understanding, I think also Alice talked about is like what what maybe isn't being done in this space. So for us, it was straight up business advice presented in a beautiful, creative looking way. Um, so if you outline your quirks, you know, make sure that you're finding one that your audience is actually going to want to connect or be a part of the business model um, so that it, it is still, you still have to be a professional um, understand what their needs are. And, you, you know, is it even relevant to move your, use your quirk in that way to, to meet their needs? And then what Alice was saying around point of difference, that's what it was. And then making sure, okay, is this quirk going to, you know, for me, it's like, um, most of my podcasts have like a little E next to them because they're considered explicit because I'll drop an F-bomb and be like, <laughs> so, but that for me is a quirk of mine and my mum will watch my Instagram lives and then send me a message and say, stop swearing. So, <laughs> But that's, you know, straight up business advice for me is just like, I'm just going to say this how it is. Like sometimes mm. it's hard. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to make your podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. <laughs> um, but, 
bringing everyone down with me. It's a quirk that also is my niche and my point of difference. That's cool. Great. Alice, do you have a closing comment? Oh, I just wanted to say thanks to all you amazing women. It's been really inspiring for me to um, to have this chat. And um, I think, yeah, celebrating our differences and, and being authentic. Another way we try and stand out is um, through our carers, you know. You don't get this cookie cutter, you know, babysitter that's, you know, ticked, you know, all these boxes and is you know, had X number of years experiences. We have, you know, Spanish teachers and yoga teachers and art teachers and they're all these fabulous, incredible, different people. So, yeah, I just wanted to say that I really appreciate this conversation. I think it's been um, a really beautiful conversation and it's really lovely to connect with you all. Oh. And please, anyone hit me up if you want to chat or chat about marketing anymore or want any advice. That's so nice. That's been such a, I feel like every female that's come on our panel has been really generous in that way. So that's really generous of you. Thank you, Alice. No worries. Thank you, everybody. It was honestly, I've been really looking forward to this panel because I think, yeah, you might take it for granted if you know it, but there's so many of us that have no idea. So the advice has been so inspiring and I think it will be a podcast that lives on for quite a long time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Carly. Thank you, Carly. Great work. So welcome. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people, and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page, and Twitter.